This podcast, The Two Mats, is sponsored as ever by the New European Newspaper. And we've got a very special subscription offer for you, a new one, where you can get a free bollocks to Brexit passport cover. That's right, you heard that right, folks. It's a burgundy, like vegan leather, beautifully designed passport cover. Pleather. To, to have pleather, that's what, that's what they call it, isn't it? Pleather. To hide your um, new British blue. The shame of the, the blue shame, The shame passport. of the blue passport. And you can get your free bollocks to Brexit passport cover free with a subscription to the New European from just £1 a week. So to take this fantastic offer, and trust me, if you like this podcast, you will absolutely love the New European, go to theneweuropean.co.uk forward slash two mats. That's the number two, M-A-T-T-S, and there's a link in the show notes. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hello and happy Sunday. Happy Sunday. This is the Two Mats regular Q&A brought to you by the New European Newspaper. So uh, let's get going with our first question. Let's get Please going. Producer Matt. Hi, Matt. Given the dwindling sales numbers for daily print newspapers, why is it that politicians seemingly continue to be fearful of scornful headlines and allow that fear to influence policy? And that's from Andy Smith. Thank you, Andy, for your question. Matt, what do you think? Well, um, I was going to throw this to you because you edit a uh, extremely successful print newspaper. I do. Uh, thank you. And thank you for the compliment. I, um, and my theory is, is that they're not so much terrified of the actual newspaper headlines, but they're more terrified about how those newspaper headlines still continue to set the agenda in broader media, especially broadcasting. Um, I, you know, I can tell you that every morning editorial conference in Sky News, on the BBC Today programme, on, on a, a, anywhere where there's a huge audience of people listening to uh, the conversation about the day-to-day politics. It starts with an analysis of what's on the front pages. And that's why they're scared. And they're scared more of the Daily Mail than any other single organization and newspaper front page. And the Daily Mail, the tragedy of it is the Daily Mail will love to hear me saying that, but it's a fact. You know, and that's why so many uh, politicians are terrified of people like Paul Dacre um, the editor-in-chief of the Mail titles, who's been um, there for decades now, um, because he sets he sets the agenda by in, in large part for every other media uh, that follows for the next twenty-four hours until it all the cycle starts again. Yeah, and also online uh, versions of newspapers have headlines too, so yeah. the headlines don't have to be just print. 
no 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 it's true and um you know the this is why um i know people like um alistair campbell for instance during his time in politics with tony blair was so uh vigilant about scrutinizing titles like the daily mail because ultimately you know democratic um society should be led by people we vote into power not people who sit in you know editor-in-chief's offices deciding based on their own personal peccadilloes and political positions how, how middle england should think you know and that's become an obsession with both parties you know how how does middle england think and that very concept of middle england is very much a daily mail paul dacre and you know and does it exist david english invention you know does it even exist is a is a great mm. question but all politicians live in fear of it they do all right i think we've made our position clear there andy and i hope that gives you some clues to what we think next question please should Leveson 2 be a Starmer first 100 days move? Well, <laughs> well, can I, you take the lead on that one, Matt. OK, well, uh, this refers to, um, for those who haven't been following the story, well, the story so far is that um, Sir Brian Leveson held an inquiry into the state of the press triggered by the hacking scandal 2011. And the first part of the uh, investigation concluded with a, a kind of slightly well, very um, kind of messy uh, press regulation structure. There was always going to be, though, a second part of the inquiry, called shorthand Leveson 2, which was going to look at the the relationship, corruption and so on between press, police um, and other uh, public service institutions. And this is a very important issue and it should be investigated. However... I've got to be honest, uh, Ledvinker, and thank you for the question. Do I think it should be in the first 100 days? I don't, um, because I think that uh, Starmer's intray will be heaving with questions related to um, people's pay packets, uh, the state of the public services, Britain's place in the world, the single market and so on. And I, I do hope that um, it, it doesn't get shelved as it was uh, uh, or it doesn't stay shelved as it was by Matt Hancock in 2018. But I, I think it's perhaps a little overambitious to expect it to be an issue for the first 100 days. But I hope it does. Yeah, It's a, a first-term issue, I certainly hope. Yeah, and I, I also think that it, the, the terms of Leveson 2, whatever that that means, should should be reconsidered. Um, that I think yeah. the, as, time pass, as time passes, these... These issues have become more historic and we need something that deals with a much broader um, problem around what is what is a healthy media in society today. Online, me- online it, how, media, and online, social media, social media, AI, all of these things. How can they be constructive? You know, I think there's less of a case for looking in the rearview mirror now. We need to start looking forward about how these bigger problems around the way media has evolved since phone hacking and all of that. How can we... Um, produce a playing field where media actually plays a positive role in society rather than a corrosive one. Yeah, 100%. Next question, please. Okay, from Kenta Together, uh, your new European beverage report needs discussion. We need a 10-year vision and five-year plan. Could the new European lead that? And and this is a follow-on from a, an observation we made that we should get stuck into um, a modern-day beverage report, which examining the state of society basically and how can we um come up with constructive and you know uh innovative ways of improving 
people's lives. And I think um, absolutely right, Kenta, together for, for asking that question. Matt, what, what do you think? And by the way, I should just say that this is something we are now actively putting together. So um, you can look for, yeah. forward to the new European taking a lead on that. Yes, no, it's, it's, it's a definite yes. And we're, you know, work in progress. Um, I mean, for those who don't know, the Beverage Report was the 1942 uh, investigation into the, 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 the five evils, want, disease, ignorance, squalor and idleness. So the question, I guess, is what would be the themes for a comparable report today? And there are all sorts of, um, you know, uh, candidates, climate, work, nutrition, loneliness, health, preventive and clinical, digital citizenship, housing, um, and so on and so on. And I think that the the first task is actually to get the categories right, because, you know, this is uh, this is not 1942, it's 2024. Uh, we keep saying, will someone please start the 21st century? And um, this is a good way of starting it. Uh, I, I, but I think it, it, it's, a, it's a very important body of work. I, I, I sort of feel allied to that is that the media generally are too fixated with how many Tory plotters can fit on the, you know, a need, the head of a needle um, and, and the kind of ever decreasing circles of the death of this government. And it's time to start broadening out the, the debate into big, crunchy questions about what's wrong with this country and what uh, the next government should do about it. Yeah, great. Perfectly uh, agree with that. And like I say, it's absolutely um, right down our street editorially. So the New European yeah. is actively working on, on this uh, new report for 2024. Next question from Jonathan Hill. Brackets, to be clear, not the Lord. Matt, you read this. <laughs> you mentioned in the podcast <laughs> that the, the thinking of senior Labour people is still influenced by the 1992 election, which, of course, Labour lost uh, unexpectedly. They believe that they can't get elected on a platform of better public services and bigger government paid for by more taxation and that they will lose even by leaving wriggle room for that possibility in their offer. Are they right to think that? If not... How could they sell such a proposal to the electorate? Well, I think that if that is what they're thinking, I think it's a potential disaster and they're completely wrong to think that. I think the country, we've said this time and time again, is absolutely moribund in a state of malaise and is desperate for a sense of vision and new ideas. And the, 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 the most important part of Jonathan's question is how could they sell such a proposal to the electorate. And I do think that there's an unhealthy cynicism uh, amongst the media where people think, well, if you tell them that stuff's going to cost money, people will react against it. That's that's not the case at all. People know that we need to invest to, uh, to create a new Great Britain. And I think it's all in the selling. And that, of course, was what Blair was so good at. And, and to, to give her, her credit, what Thatcher was so in tune with, um, was the idea of communicating clearly to people in, a, in an emotional way, but one that made sense. And that's what I don't think we've seen yet from, from Labour. Uh, but they need to get a wriggle on because people want a sense of purpose. Um, and it's, you know, it's, it's absence at the moment, I think. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think the, you know, 92 was 32 years ago. And uh, I understand this. Is the politi politicians suffer from PTSD, Um uh, and, you know, are always fearful that history is going to repeat itself. But actually, 
at most it rhymes and i'm not sure it is the the the, the rhyme is right in this case uh, to your point Matt. i think that actually this is a change election and i totally understand starmer and reeves believe that they have to just win and the, the ultra cautious approach they've adopted but there has to be a reason to vote for labor and there has to be some sense that this is a a hinge election that we're moving into a new era there, there is going to be a new settlement and a new way of doing things because people are really sick of where they've ended up particularly since brexit particularly in the last uh, eight years it really has been a terrible time in this country and simply to say yeah. where steady as she goes is not enough and i also just think i mean just to tie it back to our first question is that they should remember that they they don't have to um, be enthralled to the agenda of the Daily Bloody Mail. You know, they should be enthralled mm. to the agenda of the electorate. And it will get through if, they, if they've got the right message. Um, that message will get through and people are thirsty for a sense of ambition and for a better, you know, a better future. Um, that, that, that obviously sounds trite, but it's, it's Starmer's job to make that, to articulate that. And they won't win. I mean, you know, they talk about a decade of national renewal. Well, Keir, you won't win a second term unless your first term has some pretty big upheaval in it. Exactly right. Okay, great. Next question. Thank you, Jonathan, for that one. Next question, please. From Steve B. Um, Given the past week, could we see a narrow victory rather than a blairish landslide? Or, God help us even, a Tory win? And if so, would the only sure way of keeping the Conservatives away from regaining power be electoral reform? Ditching first past the post might ensure we remain a democracy. Could this be the new big policy Labour should campaign on? And it doesn't come with a price tag for the Tories to attack them on. OK, Steve, long but good question. What do you think, Matt? Um, I am not that... I mean, I always, I always, I always uh, argue against complacency. You know, I don't think uh, the, the deal is sealed until election day. Um, so, to that extent, you know, it's 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 pro- probably not a bad thing actually that Labour's had a bit of a, a shock this week, and it's been reminded that it's not in the bag. It's never in the bag until the votes are cast. I'm always nervous of electoral reform in order to bring about a specific result i think there's a case for electoral reform intrinsically to do with fairness and to do with um votes counting but i don't like the idea that we ditch first past the post simply to keep the conservatives out um i think that's actually gerrymandering disguised as virtue signaling and i so i'm not I'm not persuaded that that's a good reason to embark on electoral reform. It's something that you know hasn't got a head of steam behind it yet. It may it may well do in 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 times to come, especially as um, we seem to be fragmenting into smaller parties that will demand a bigger say. Um, so the case will grow. But I, as I said, I'm personally uh, a bit leery about. Let, let's reform the the electoral system simply to stop the Tories. Yeah, no, I I agree. I mean, I think if we were both sitting down with a blank piece of paper in this new nation called the United Kingdom and deciding as founding fathers what our electoral system would be, then some proportional representation would be in that in that document. But the truth is, is that our system has relied on the representation of of the electorate's interests being 
enveloped within broad, big parties rather than having um, a, a, an aggregation of smaller political parties together. And that, if if that works, that is a cleaner way of being pragmatic and, and being in government and making things happen. But it ha- it certainly has not worked in the last 14 years, I would suggest. And the sort of decomposition of the Conservative Party in the last five or six years, well, since Brexit, has been something to behold and, and is a, an absolute... Um, you know, bill of rights for for a new political system. But I do agree with you. In principle, we can't just redraw stuff on the back of, well, they've been crap for the last 10 years. Let's make sure that never happens again. Yes, and you also have to get into power under the old system before you can change it. So at this point, it's not not an issue and not one, I think, uh, for the next few months. You know, it's it's definitely things things to think about. The other, the flip side, I always think, of course, you know, how iniquitous it is that the Green Party could get 10% of the vote in places, but get one member of parliament. Um, but the flip side to that is, is that UKIP can get 10% of the vote. Yes, and, absolutely. And get, you know, no members of parliament, which is something I heartily uh, concur with. Okay, so thank you, Steve <laughs> B, for that question. Matt, I've got a question for you. Do you know, on our fabulous range of merchandise, what is the most popular thing we've sold on the New Europeans shop? I think I know, but you tell me. I'll tell you what it is. It's a bollocks to Brexit passport That's cover. That's what I'd imagine. Uh, do you know how many we've sold in I, the last two I years? I would imagine a fair, fair few. Two and a half thousand. Yeah, it's uh, brilliant. They're terrific. Vegan leather, it's called, which actually does look like leather. It's Bergen. Pleather. Oh, is it pleather? Is it pleather? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, vegan, I don't know. Actually, vegan leather may be more cool than it's more leather. leathery than yeah yes. anyway it's been nowhere near a cow that's the main thing no um no bovine mutilation was involved. not at all it looks passingly like a like an old-fashioned uh european passport oh, it's burgundy and it's got that golden crest on it love it except on the crest it says bollocks to brexit love and it even a, more. it's all very uh subtle and nice and funny anyway we've sold loads of them people love them and guess what it's going to be our subscription offer for the next few weeks happy so, days when new subscribers join the New European for as little as a pound a week, for which you get all of our digital content, all of your brilliant culture newsletters, everything we do online and full archive of newspapers and great features. Or if they spend another pound a week, they get the newspaper, which has a retail price of £4.50. You can get it for an extra pound a week, whilst delivered to your door every week for just one pound a week you'll get a free bollocks to brexit passport cover fantastic what could be better i don't think anything imagine standing in the queue to passport control imagine ostentatiously it. Waving just imagine your bollocks to brexit passport the sheer cover. sense of national pride you're in that and queue for about an hour and a half international now. pride and joy <laughs> yeah. anyway if you want to take up this fantastic offer go to theneweuropean.co.uk forward slash two mats that's the number two m-a-t-t-s do it now while stocks last how would you like to look five years younger in a clinical study people that had volume added with juvederm voluma xc in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment look younger feel like you add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with juvederm voluma xc Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. 
For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Next question, please. Uh, from Ben Valentine. I've just finished a really interesting book, Techno-Feudalism, What Killed Capitalism, by Yanis Varoufakis. Um, he's the former uh, Greek economic minister. Um, it argues that we're already transitioning away from capitalism, not towards communism, but instead to techno-feudalism, where the big tech companies effectively operate cloud thieves. Have you read it? Answer for me, No. I would love to hear your views. Uh, have you read it, Matt? I have, and um, I, 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 I'm, you know, I'm not a massive fan of Varoufakis, but uh, I thought this book captured, you know, well a sort of fundamental, perhaps the fundamental truth about the way we live economically and culturally now, which is that, you know, we are actually dominated by a tiny group of mostly tech companies like Tesla, Amazon, Apple, Alphabet, Meta. And what he argues in the book is that this is not in any sense traditional capitalism. It is it is a form of serfdom because we're just basically paying rents to these mega corporations. And all the claimed virtues of capitalism, you know, competition, entrepreneurialism, uh, and so on are are being quashed by these mega mega companies that actually are more like super nations than than corporations and i think he he captures i mean this is not a wholly original point but i think he captures a, a genuine concern 
you know, in the Gilded Age, big companies by antitrust laws were broken up. And the question which looms over the world now is, is there anyone, is there anyone able um, in the world of the multinational company to break up some of these mega corporations uh, to which there is no immediate answer but i but i do think it is a it's a good it's a good book and it's a good way of understanding what's going on that that it, the problem is not just neoliberalism and capitalism and inequality massive as those problems are that the, the, the problem is the aggregation of power in these uh, mega companies i mean i saw just as a example elon musk teasing the other day that he might buy disney now disney owns right. a huge huge section of the entertainment sector uh, you know it is one of the most powerful soft power agents in the world you know if he was to own x and that he would become by far the most important figure in information and entertainment in the world already owning tesla and spacex and the boring company and so on um and it gets the point where you know, where's the accountability? You know, the, mar the the notion of market accountability is nonsense in that case. So I think it is, a, it, it, the, the, the book does raise that, gives salience to that issue. And because Varoufakis has a following, it gets it into the cultural bloodstream. Yeah, great. And I haven't read it, but I will do now. And great title, Techno Feudalism. It is, it like is it. good, isn't it? It's good. Yeah, great. Thank you, Ben Valentine, for that question. Um, next question. I read with interest Matt Dancona's review of Hills of California by Jez Butterworth. Thank you. Um, I can't wait to see it. I think Jerusalem by Butterworth is the greatest thing I've ever seen on stage. I've seen it three times. What do you think is Butterworth's secret? Sheila from Berkshire. Now, I, I know you uh, saw it the other day, Matt. What do you reckon? I did see it. I well, So I thought it was more flawed than than you thought it was, I think, perhaps. I I was a bit, um, I mean, no spoiler alerts or anything like that, but I was kind of underwhelmed by the by the finale. The, it didn't have the power of um, the play Jerusalem, which is what Sheila's referring to, which I've seen. I've, I think I've seen Jerusalem about four or five times. And the tragedy of this conversation, I guess, is that I don't think anybody will ever see Jerusalem again because it's all dependent yes. on the great Mark Rylance playing um, the lead role who, and, and as time goes on, I mean, it's, there's no doubt that Jez Butterworth is, um, is a, is a genius, you know, I mean, it's such a, a wonderful storyteller. Um, and, and with a sense of, you know, it's almost indefinable, but he manages to sort of capture a social emotion, doesn't he? That, that is, yes. it, and it's never made explicit, you know, but it's, it's woven within the, the lines of the of the play. Have I ever told you my Jez Butterworth story? And no. So the first time I went to see Jerusalem, me and my wife went, and I was so blown away with it. I bought the the screenplay, the the script, whatever you call it for a play, um, as the book of it. And we went uh, to the Ivy as a treat afterwards, right? Uh, saw it on Shaftesbury Avenue. Went to the Ivy for dinner afterwards. Got a table last minute, and I was sitting there with the book on the table. And the waiter came over and said, oh, have you just been to see Jerusalem? And I said, oh, yeah. And I went on and on about how this was like a life-changing experience at the theatre. I'd never seen anything so brilliant, a bit like Sheila. You know, it was like, it was, I thought, this is wonderful. It doesn't get any better. And I went on and on and on. And the, and the waiter said, um, oh, 
Jez Butterworth was here tonight. Have, he had dinner here tonight. And I was like, oh, my God, so amazing, you know, brilliant guy. And as I was saying all of this, I was conscious that a couple of tables away, there was a guy who looked a bit like a fat George Michael looking over at me, tuning in, right? And I just, hmm. I'd, I had no reason to uh, to pay any more attention to that, except that the next morning I went onto my computer and Googled Jez Butterworth and the photo <laughs> of the guy, the photo of the guy two tables away popped up and it was him. And I thought, what a perfect form of fame that must be to sit yes. in a place and hear a guy rapture in raptures about the thing he's just seen that you've written but not to have to go the hassle of of me oh, coming up having fawningly, to fawningly ask for a selfie <laughs> but but no, it is um she you know sheila asks what's his secret i, I don't know can you articulate it well secret? i i guess it's secret but uh, i mean my my intuition is i mean he certainly has a deep understanding and love of englishness combined right. with a modern and quite liberal sensibility and he has one thing i think that's underappreciated about jez butterworth is that he takes his time so part of the backstory to jerusalem is that he had this sort of framework about uh, a play about england uh and its folklore and its modern tensions but it lacked a central it, it lacked a core and he was living in the countryside i'm not sure where and racking his brains and he he befriended a guy in the pub who was essentially johnny rooster byron who was mark rylance's yeah. character and that filled there was a sort of rooster byron shaped hole in the play and and because james butterworth got to know this guy um, who wasn't exactly uh, like uh, Rooster Byron, but very similar, that kind of finished off the masterpiece. Now, it's not quite the same, but The Hills of California is him channeling his feelings about his sister's death from cancer in 2012. Yeah. He's got a great ability, I think, to mix um, the social with the personal. And, and again, he takes his time. You know, a lot of people who have early success, who are hailed as the next Orson Welles, they are, they feel a great pressure to turn out content. And I think he has an admirable indifference to that pressure. You know, he's done movies, he's done, you know, I, it's a really good approach. Yeah. And I, I mean, it's funny, I suppose if you asked, you know, a hundred people in a motorway service station who Jez Butterworth was, maybe two or three would would have a clue who you're talking about but he he is clearly one of you know somebody who will stand the test of time i think yes and i think you know jerusalem i mean look it isn't bad people often say oh you know one hit wonder huh, you know well you know i should be so lucky you know let's just say he never produces another play of the um of the stature of jerusalem well you know he'll still be remembered as the defining playwright of 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 his decade of of that period yeah yeah and the ferryman was absolutely brilliant as well which which followed that next question please matt from dan on spotify i am noticing matt dancona's penchant for initialisms and acronyms snl maga as a straight talking sort of chap do these irk matt <laughs> kelly or can he start dropping in some of his own to even up the score thank you dan um, well, um, they don't irk me, but I do have a reflex against 
acronyms that were sort of drilled into me early doors by um, sort of my foundations in journalism about being taught to be absolutely explicit and 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 be you know well i mean this is slightly counter to the concept of brevity because of course they they are by definition brief but but so to have a clarity of language so that there was nothing in a, a newspaper article that somebody would say what the hell are they talking about you know um so no they don't irk me but i do i i know when you say snl matt I do, I do feel the need to say you mean Saturday Night Live just to, to some of the audience. I think I did. I actually yeah. think I did say Saturday Night Live and then SNL yeah. second mention. But but it's true. <laughs> I, I'm I would normally say SNL and assume quite wrongly that the other person yeah. knew it. I think there's a there's a sort of twist to this, which is sometimes word acronyms can mean more than they do spelt out. So I think we've reached right. the point with MAGA where yeah. there's a kind of demonic sound to that word that is better than make <laughs> that is better than make America great again, right? You yeah, know, uh, and and NATO just sounds better than the North Atlantic Treaty Organization. <laughs> but it's a but 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 it look it, it's a IDK, um it's a you know it, 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 it's a, <laughs> in general <laughs> I do, okay. Um, uh, am I am I right? Um, I, I think it's it's true. We should we should spell things out. Yeah, we should. Yeah, no good. And and if anyone's ever interested, one of the best books written about journalese and journalism and how to write in good plain English is a book by the late great Harold Evans called Newsman's English, and. Um, it's a succinct guide. Well, it's quite exhaustive, actually, but it's, it's, it's a very good, comprehensive guide to how to communicate clearly. It's, it's still in print, I think, and it's got my favourite ever complete news article in history, which I forget the exact location, but you'll, it, it's, it's not relevant. And it, 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 this was the whole story. It said, Ohio, Tuesday, Jim Robertson lit a cigarette while bathing his feet in benzene. Point. He may live, point. So thank you for all of those questions. Um, as ever, if you want to give us some feedback or ask uh, ask us questions, which we love to get, we love to get, um, please email us the questions to two mats at tnepublishing.com. That's the number two, M-A-T-T-S at tnepublishing.com. Don't forget your subscription offer. If you like what you hear on these podcasts, you will love the New European. So please support our work by subscribing. That's the best thing you can do for us. And uh, until our regular show is back on Friday, I'd like to thank our production team at Rethink Audio, led by Ollie Peart and Matt Hill. Um, until Friday, have a fantastic Sunday. Happy Sunday. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.